Blog Talk Radio. It shocks me every time we hear this sort of news that attacks like this can happen, but especially when there will be so many children. An emotional James Corden addressing the attack during his show last night. Today on Elvis Duran's radio show, Katy Perry mourned the tragic loss. I just want to say that I love all of you out there, and I just know that, like, some of our um, fan bases kind of um, go both ways. You know, Ari's fans are my fans, and my fans are Ari's fans, and, like, we're just all loving on each other, and we should just stay loving on each other. Ariana tweeted hours after the attack, broken from the bottom of my heart. I am so, so sorry. I don't have words. Thousands of people today gathered for a vigil outside the arena. The first victim identified was 18-year-old fan Georgina, who hours before the concert tweeted how she was so excited to see Ariana. The second victim, the youngest so far, 8-year-old Safi Rose. NBC News' Keir Simmons is on the scene in Manchester covering the attack. We asked him about reports Ariana's mother helped some fans reach safety. We are hearing those reports that Ariana Grande's mom was at the concert, that she helped fans who were backstage to move to safety. The panic that ensued when there was this explosion at the back of the concert hall meant people were fleeing in every direction. It sounds like Ariana's mom herself moved in, as many parents did, to try and help. Kristen Chenoweth, who worked with Ariana on NBC's Hairspray Live and who affectionately calls her my baby, sent love to her today on Access Hollywood's Facebook Live. I know her heart, and um, my heart just goes out to everybody. You know, people going to music, just wanting to have a good time. And I just love her today. She knows she's like my own kid. So. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the King Jordan Radio Show. Today is Thursday, May 25th, 2017. It is Season 5, Episode 28. Tonight on the program, we'll discuss the Manchester bombing. Will O.J. Simpson be released this October as he has a hearing coming up in the next few weeks? We'll discuss that. We'll discuss, will Bill Cosby get a fair trial as his uh, jury poll is picked and the jurors will be seated uh, on June 5th. Also, we'll discuss Anthony Weiner pleading guilty. Will he see any jail time? Okay, let's bring in uh, a former district attorney from New York City, uh, a TV commentator. Uh, she also... Uh, worked with True TV, Court TV. Um, she now is the owner of com. You can catch it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring back one of our favorite guests. Beth Karras joins us tonight. Good evening, Beth. How are you? Good evening, Jordan. I'm fine. How are you? Everything's good. Everything's good. Um, uh, first of all, uh, great job covering that three-part episode uh with the uh, Casey Anthony on the ID network. Uh, tell us a little oh, bit about thank that. You. The, the, um, the next one I'm in is on June 5th on ID, and that's the one about Bill Cosby. Oh, really? Yep, and then there's more in the pipeline. So they're doing a lot of these specials. 
so they used me uh, on a number of them. I, you know, it was Casey Anthony and Jean Benet, so now Bill Crosby and a couple more I guess I can't say yet because they're still in the pipeline. Right, and uh, the Casey Anthony, you covered for me, right? You were there in the court and everything? Yes, I was, and I covered many of the hearings in the case as well. I was down in Orlando very often from 2008 until the the trial in 2011. In fact, I was there the day that Kaylee's remains were found. There had been a hearing in court earlier that day, so I was doing live shots all day, and I was in a a restaurant not far from, right next to the courthouse, having, I think, coffee or breakfast or something. It was middle (laughs) of the morning. The hearing was over. Jose Baez had just waived speedy trial, meaning he wasn't going to argue that any delays in the case violated Casey's speedy trial rights. Defense lawyers will sometimes waive and um, waive any arguments. So he knew he had a lot of work ahead of him, and he wasn't going to be arguing about speedy trial. And it did take, indeed, three years to go to trial. And and all of a sudden, I'm sitting there with a few other people in the media, and I, there's a TV on in the in the restaurant, and I look up, and there's, a, there's this big breaking news. And there's this helicopter shots, aerial shots of a, a wooded area, and a banner, remains of, you know, a body found. And nobody knew if it was Kaylee, but it was only a quarter of a mile from the Anthony home. And, you know, it just seemed like it. So, I mean, I just raced to the live shot, and people who had the more portable uh, live shot trucks, which I didn't, we were, like, set up, and I couldn't just move to the site. But others were racing to the scene and getting as close to the suburban drive, you know, area that they could. And But I, I had to stay and wait for, for reports coming back. But then I ended up staying there for the rest of the week because we were waiting for the medical examiner to do the autopsy and come back with the test results to confirm that it was Kaylee. And that happened, I think, around December 19th. So, yeah, it was quite a quite a time. It's interesting because, and I use this when I give lectures and speeches, I use as an example that this case, that um, she was, Casey was charged before there was a body, right? She was charged. They weren't seeking yeah. death, though. They decided not to seek death. And then after the body was found with the duct tape and all, then they sought death. Right, right. And do you think that they overcharged in hindsight? Well, you know, Jeff Ashton, whom I've interviewed recently, maintains that they, they did it all right. You know, he stands by the way they prosecuted the case. But many people say that if they hadn't sought death, because, you know, when you death qualify a jury, it's a totally different ball game. You have, uh, right. you know, there are mitigation experts and there are more lawyers involved. The stakes are as high as they get. And, um, you know, the jury selection, you know, can be a little more intense. So, you know, maybe if they hadn't sought death, maybe uh, – she would have been convicted, but you know what? I'm I'm not sure. This jury from that Clearwater area really bought, you know, the defense argument. Oh, how she died? We don't know when she died. We don't know where she died, and you know. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of information at the time. And Casey, uh, if you hear her, she she's almost like nonchalant. She's like. I guess this is what happened. Very uh, vague, if you will. I don't know if you heard her on one of these uh, I, interviews. She did. 
well, I, I read about them. I don't know if I heard, maybe I listened to them, but I read, I read everything, and I think that, um, well, she's a smart woman. I mean, there's no question she's yeah. an intelligent person. I think she's got, you know, some issues, major, I mean, psychological issues, uh, but. I, I just wonder how, if she realizes how close she was to spending the rest of her life in prison or worse. You know, I mean, she really, I mean, and I, I guess it's because I, I believe that she was, you know, was involved in her daughter's death. So, I mean, she really is a lucky woman. No question. And uh, I think Jose and his partner, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, the Florida yeah, I thought they did a wonderful job of raising reasonable doubt uh, yeah. as far as that is concerned. So um, you have your uh, site that's been running now for a couple of years, carrotsoncrime.com. Uh, it's chugging um, along, yes. I continue to blog and post some videos. and But you know what? What I did was the podcast on the site. Uh, the podcast is now public. It's out there. It's on iTunes. It's Karis on Crime. And um, it's been out for a couple of months. Any new interviews go on that. So it's it's free. It's available. Um, it's on acastacast.com. Uh has all of the episodes in order. But you can also find it on Stitcher and and iTunes. Um, so that keeps me pretty busy. I interview people in, like you, in the criminal justice uh, arena. I'm interviewing a polygraph examiner tomorrow. I post usually on Tuesdays, if not every week, every other week. But I did a series in the Colleen McKernan case in uh, Ohio. She pled guilty just before her third trial. She's charged with murdering her husband. And there had been two deadlocked juries, two trials. So afterwards, wow. I, I interviewed the jury four person from her um, her second trial, and that was you know, like a 40-minute interview. I interviewed her defense lawyer, her father, and then the deceased, the mother of the deceased, the husband. And so it was four parts, four, to, four weeks, and so it was a real deep dive into the case. Anyway, it's not a case I had followed until the end. So I do things like that, and I've... I've got. I, mean, I, I talk to people in law enforcement, a blood spatter expert, just all kinds of individuals. Jeff Ashton is on there too. Kirk Jeremy. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> yeah. We'll check that out. Okay, so let's talk about the Manchester tragedy and what a tragedy it was. Uh, when you first heard all the details about this, uh, what did you think? Well, you know, every time a bombing like this happens anywhere, you know, it, it just. It, uh, it's, it's so disruptive, and you you say, yeah. wow, you know, like they picked a day when we're once again kind of relaxed, complacent, not on any high alerts, you know, and then, of course, you know, we're reactionary, and then everything goes into high gear, and and we're on alert again. I mean, do do we have to live looking over our shoulders at all times? Do we have to live on high alert like, like you know, the, like folks in Israel do? I don't know. I mean, it's it's pretty scary, and it was despicable that this happened at an Ariana Grande concert where it is a known fact that concert goers are among the youngest of, of concert goers, right? I mean, the youngest victim is eight years old. I mean, young folks, young people, these are not the adults. These are not right. older folks. I mean, parents were there. I mean, it's just very, it's despicable. A lot of children. Very, very sad. Very hurtful and, uh, 
I just don't know what goes into a person's mind when the, they decide to do something like that or, you know, the parents, well, the team, whoever. Well, what you're dealing with individuals who will die for the cause. So, I, I mean, that's, it's, right. that's a whole other level here. And um, it's, you know, it's beyond my area of expertise to to analyze this. But people who are willing to die for the cause at you know, is um, yeah. seems very hard, hard to. Well, it's almost prevent. like a culture, like Although a family. Although there is a lot of prevention. This, I mean, we we are not aware. Uh, the public is not generally aware of of the efforts that are foiled. I, you know, the World Trade, the first World Trade Center bombing was in 1993. The second, the big one was yep. I'd say two days ago. It was, uh, I think, it was a um, the anniversary. Uh, of the 1993. So I was an assistant DA at the time. I remember I was coming back from federal, uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Brooklyn, where I had a meeting, and um, mm-hmm. I was on the subway, and I saw all these people coming on with with like with uh, dark you know, like ash on their faces, and I was like, "What's going on here?" I did not know that they were fleeing. You know what? Um, the, the first bombing, uh, of course, so I got into Manhattan and, and learned. So, and, and the DA's office is in lower Manhattan, not not quite as low as the Trade Center, but in that vicinity. And um, I remember, because I was in law enforcement, I mean, my office, I could look out the window of my office at the FBI building. I was in a satellite office of the DA's office because I was doing racketeering and political corruption investigations at the time. I wasn't doing street crime. I, I could see the, the uh, 26 Federal Plaza, the, where the FBI is located. There weren't problems at that building, but I remember because I was in I was part of law enforcement, just just learning uh, what I think became public knowledge later that there were many many efforts, plans. Maybe I don't know how far along in in the plans they were because I was not part of these investigations. I just heard about them. That there were a lot of things foiled after that. You know, efforts to blow up bridges or tunnels and and stuff. So the public doesn't generally know how successful law enforcement is when we hear about a bombing like happened in Manchester or like happened in, in '93 and 2001. Obviously, you know, it rocks our world, but. Our law enforcement here, I mean, I can speak for New York. I mean, it's fabulous. Right. And uh, they they did prevent a lot. You know, they find bomb-making factories. You know, they execute search warrants. And um, the generally, the public doesn't know about these things. No, it's true. But uh, I guess the big one was in uh, 2001, which 9-11, it will be always remembered. As I guess the biggest. Well, biggest attack on the U.S. and Pearl Harbor for sure, yeah. That right. was something I was like, you remember where you were when that happened? I was uh, I was getting makeup done in Daytona Beach, Florida, <laughs> about to do a trial that oh, just, you even that in was starting. I wasn't even in New York, but I had to. Oh my God, it was awful. I mean, we ended up taping that trial because my boss said you got to get up to New York, and I was like, Are you kidding me? All the planes are grounded. And trains were grounded, all public transportation. So, And I said, I'm not driving from Florida to New York by myself up the East Coast. So I called a news crew, I mean a 
freelance crew I knew down in Miami, and they were on their way up for M- to NBC to work for NBC, and they swung from Miami. They swung by Daytona and picked me up at the Daytona airport, which, you know, later that day maybe, the next morning, later, I think later that day, it was deserted. I mean, an airport deserted is just the oddest thing, right? And I just I waited outside for them, and we drove all night. We drove like 22 hours. We stopped for like a three-hour nap, and we drove straight into Manhattan. I remember driving by the, the small Smoldering Pentagon, you could see it from the uh, from the highway, and then um, and the odor driving into Manhattan was, I mean, it, it knocked me out. I, I couldn't believe it. it smelled like burning computers, you know, burning plastic toxicity yes. in the air, and that's like 57th Street, way north. My, uh, north, uh, way north, but in Manhattan of um, the World Trade Center, and I ca- can't imagine the toxins in the air down at, at the Trade Center. Then the next morning, so I get so September 13th, I arrive in New York. September 13th, the night of the 12th, I can't remember, but I um, I'm down doing live shots within two wait, two days at, at at Ground Zero, and I live not far from where Manhattan was closed off to vehicular traffic, except for like military vehicles and rescue vehicles. So I, I had to walk. I couldn't get to the live shot. I had to walk. I'd get up at like five and head out at like five thirty, six o'clock to get there for seven, seven thirty. Cause I had a long walk, and um, cross town and, the, and to the west side. And I remember walking by what was then St. Vincent's Hospital. That it's now closed, or it's it's another facility, and the the it was a triage center, and it was the, the personnel, the medical personnel were just hanging around waiting for business. There was no business. No bodies were being brought in. There were five people who were found alive. Everything, everybody else perished. So these triage centers, ready to deal with the wounded didn't have any work because there was just five people. That's all were pulled out of the rubble. So anyway, I was about a quarter of a mile north uh, where the media uh, were located doing live shots, only for a couple of days because I got a call that uh, my older brother was um, was passing away, and I was his health care proxy, and, and so I had to leave and get to Massachusetts, and I was at my brother's um, bedside when he passed wow. away on September 19th. Oh, my Sorry to hear that. Terrible. Right. So let's move on to uh, Bill Cosby. Here is uh, uh, Bill Cosby in his own words, and we'll talk on the other side. Bill Cosby spoke to reporters just moments after the last juror was chosen for his sexual assault trial. I just want to be very specific about the wonderful people, Allegheny County. And I want to also thank the Sheriff's Department because they made everything very, very smooth here. It took three days to select the 12 jurors and six alternates. Two of the jurors are black, a man and a woman, both in their 30s. Five of the jurors are white men in their 20s or early 30s. One juror says he knows nothing about the Cosby case because he only watches sports. Two of the jurors are middle-aged white women, and one juror is a teacher. With this type of a high-profile case, the number one concern going through everyone's mind is, can we get people to sit in those chairs who have not already formed an opinion about the defendant? And that's going to override any other concern about trying to tip the scales racially or by gender. Cosby's lawyers claim the prosecution was systematically excluding African Americans from the jury, but the judge rejected that argument. The stereotypical thought process would be that because there are fewer minority members of this jury, 
they may be less sympathetic to the defendant. But that's just the stereotypical understanding. It may not bear out to be true in this case. Bill Cosby has been present in the courtroom for jury selection the entire time. At one point, he even asked a potential juror to speak up as he was having trouble hearing her. One juror who was selected was abruptly dismissed because he posted on his Facebook page, I'm not supposed to talk about it, but I got picked for Cosby. Protecting the identity of those jurors is a major concern here at the courthouse as each one is led in for a Q&A session at a table across from the judge and Bill Cosby. Each potential juror is sat in a black high back chair with their backs to the media to help conceal anything about their appearance or their identity. Now these ordinary citizens will decide Bill Cosby's fate. Okay, Beth, uh, so they moved the uh, trial a couple miles, well, many miles away well, they, from Philadelphia. Well, they picked it. They picked a jury in Pittsburgh, the Allegheny County is Pittsburgh, but they're going to ship them to Montgomery County, which is outside of Philly, and the jurors are going to be housed right. in a hotel. So they're going to try it in the courthouse where it originated, but that's just like they did in Casey Anthony. They picked the jury elsewhere and brought them in. And was that illegal analysis? Was that Aaron Keller? Uh, that was Inside Edition. So. Yeah, that was Aaron Keller. I recognize his voice. Okay. Um, <laughs> so do you so, think he'll uh, get a fair trial? You heard two African Americans. Um, I guess. Which is representative of the of the um, population of African Americans in in Allegheny County, is what I read. So it's, it's basically twelve, thirteen percent. Uh, black, and that was about the representation in the jury pool. So, you know, it's it's about right. But I, I just don't know that this case has a, is really about race. I mean, he he he's accused of assaulting a, a white woman, but women who have come forward have have been black as well. I mean, it, you know, this was yeah, you know, it's not a, although only one other woman is going to testify in this case, uh, and she's known as. Victim or accuser number uh, accuser number six, and I do not know if she's white or black. So the only uh, other there's only one other accuser to just show a similar in pattern, right? That's well, the, the prosecution the wanted to they they wanted thirteen other women to uh, testify, and um, the judge just said one could. I mean, there are a lot who say that they were drugged or attempted to be drugged or assaulted, attempted to be assaulted, and um, not all of them uh, 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 allege drugging, but a lot do. And um, the judge, for whatever reason, I don't even know that he gave a reason. He just gave his ruling, uh, <laughs> said only right. accuser number six will testify. And and so that was considered a setback, uh, you know, a win for the defense, a setback for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. But, you know, because there's strength in numbers and, you know, th this case is just the accuser, whose name is Andrea Constand, against Cosby, right? She didn't report it for a year. There's no forensic evidence because it wasn't reported at the time. So it's it's really her word against his. And she continued to have contact with Cosby afterwards, which is not unusual for some of these women. does not mean they weren't sexually assaulted. But these were things that, to the first prosecutor who didn't pro who didn't go forward with the case in 2005, and then it became a civil right. case where he was deposed. That prosecutor was troubled by 
the factors I just said, that it wasn't reported for a year, there's no forensic evidence linking them, she continued to have contact with them, and there were inconsistencies in some of her statements to the police. So in his eyes, he's like, you know what, I know she's going to have a civil suit, she will at least get justice in some way, but I don't think I can prove the case. But the new prosecutor squeaked in this case to just two, three weeks before the statute of limitations of 12 years expired, and that's when the charges were filed in December of 2015. The statute of limitations would have expired in January of 2016. would have been too late to bring the charges. Wow. It's unusual, though, just to see one other person. Like, if you remember in the Bill Spector case, they showed women coming in who Specter allegedly also pointed guns to in that case. You remember that? Sure, they, they I was at that trial. So there were eight? five women who, who, who testified to a, okay. this, this pattern of conduct of holding a gun to the heads, and, and, and uh, the judge had ruled, I think, four, and then in the, and then during the trial he said a fifth could, or he had ruled five and said a sixth could. I can't remember. I know he added another one. Um, and that, you know, that was – Pretty damaging. I mean, the jury didn't convict him the first time around. It was 10-2 for conviction. But at the second trial, these women testified again, and he was convicted, and he's in prison now probably for the rest of his life because he will be way too old, and he's not too well uh, before he's even eligible for parole. So uh, it's a different jurisdiction. It's a different state. Maybe nuances in the law in terms of what constitutes, you know, the the the, the appropriate prior conduct uh, to make it admissible. And, you know, these are judgment calls. Even even within a courthouse, from judge to judge, they're not always consistent in, in their rulings. And judges are given discretion for certain evidentiary rulings. Sometimes the decisions they make, you know, are appealable issues because it's considered just too prejudicial against the defense. Uh, I, I, I can't – I don't know if, if Bill Cosby gets convicted if – that will be one of one of the issues on appeal that this one woman was allowed to testify. But if a whole host of them w- were to testify, that that is something that would have been challenged on appeal, whether the judge went overboard. From the uh, prosecution or Commonwealth uh, standpoint, what would you say is the, the most strongest uh, point that you have to argue against defendant Bill Pesley? Well... Andrea Constand herself, I mean, her mm-hmm. her testimony about what went down, you know, it's such about, you know, his promises, his kind of, um, you know, if I recall all of the facts correctly, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of grooming going on, you know, befriending her and offering to uh, help her with her career. I think he was annoyed that he, he could have set her up with a sports, you know, broadcasting, but she didn't take that route and it kind of annoyed him. But he invited her to his house, and he would invite women to, you know, hotel rooms, his home, whatever, um, offer them a drink and, you know, slip them drugs. These are the allegations. This is what the women say. Um, And he was supposedly giving her a Benadryl. He said a Benadryl later on. He said it was a Benadryl. And she said it had to be something stronger. And, you know, he's not denying sexual contact with her. He's saying it was consensual. So, uh it's really going to be her, you know, how she stands up on direct and cross-examination. That's the that's the best evidence because there's really, but for that accuser number six, 
And that's it. Well, I'm not sure the recordings are, can come in. I'm not sure how the judge ruled on that. Her mother recorded Cosby when a year later. Andrea told oh, Andrea really? moved back to Canada, and she told her mother about it. And so this is January 2005 or so when she tells her mother, and her mother calls Cosby. This is before they call the police, and she records Cosby, and he's like offering to pay her graduate education, and he really wants to silence her. Is the is uh, how they interpreted it, and he has supposedly done this with other women, you know, paid yeah paid them for their silence yeah. So I don't know if the jurors will will hear that because there are all kinds of laws um, about surreptitious recording of of phone calls. You can do it sometimes and you can't in other states. And so I don't think the jury can can listen to those. Is his uh, deposition going to come in that he, uh, what he said? Oh, yeah, that's. Yeah, oh my gosh, that's pretty damaging too. Yeah, that's probably even. That's, he admits there's that's sex probably, potential, yeah. be it, but he admits Yeah, he admits that in the 1970s he would he would give women quaaludes for um, sex. That's actually pretty bad testimony too. Those are his words, and and um, that is what made the prosecution take another look at at the case because. That wasn't known when the first prosecutor, Bruce Castor, decided um, not to go forward. Then the civil suit happened. Then that deposition happened where he admitted that. So it wasn't something that was considered when the first prosecutor said, I'm not going to go forward with this. When it was unsealed in July of 2015... The um, the DA's office is like, whoa, 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 you know, we need to take another look at this. And Kevin Steele, the current prosecutor who was up, who, who won an election that the fall of 2015, promised to prosecute Cosby based on that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably when you were asking me what's the most damaging, I'm thinking, well, Andrew Constant. But, yeah, that's the that's corroboration. Of course, he says he was in the 70s. Okay, another interesting character might be headed for parole. Here's the sound of we'll talk on the other side. O.J. Simpson has been granted a parole hearing for July and could be released from a Nevada prison as early as October, according to officials. The disgraced football star, who turned 70 this year, is currently serving a 33-year sentence for burglary and kidnapping. Officials say he was arrested for leading a group of men into a casino to steal his own sports memorabilia back in 2007. His sentencing came the following year, exactly 13 years after being found not guilty in the double murders of his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her friend Ronald Goldman in 1995. If Simpson is denied parole, he'll go in front of the board again in 2022 at the age of 75. For InsideEdition.com, I'm Kelly Nealon. Okay, Beth, uh, he's going to go up against the parole board uh, in July. Uh, or do you think he has a shot to be released in October? Well, you know, I do. He's in on 12 crimes. He's been paroled on some of them already a couple of years ago because he had done his time on them. Uh, but the, I had spoken to his appellate attorney at one point a couple of years ago, and she said, well, he has to do more time on the on the other crimes because of a gun enhancement. I believe that's what she told me. So I think there's a chance that he'll get paroled. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will have done nine years. And I remember, because I was at that trial, 
Um, and I remember when he was sentenced thinking, wow, you know, he's going to be 70 and, you know, <laughs> nine years seems so far away. And here it is, nine years later. I can't believe it. Uh, I, I think he'll... I think there's a chance he'll get he'll get paroled. I do. Well, they can't they can't use anything of the ninety four ninety five case, right? Um, into uh, factoring its decision. Well, I mean, I, I can't imagine that um, what he was acquitted of, if he had been convicted, is right. a different story. But what he was acquitted of, I can't imagine. No, you know. He was so lucky to have been acquitted of murder, and he just like was so stupid to do what he did in in uh, Las Vegas, especially because he's he's like stealing his own material, his own memorabilia, but using <laughs> a gun doing it. It was so ridiculous, but it was his own his property, you know. And he was, they were throwing stuff in pillowcases, and there was a little like, there were a couple other sports figures memorabilia was thrown in there, and OJ's like, yeah, I'll, I'll get that back to you. I just want my stuff which he was, of course, had in lockers, and he was hiding from the Goldman so that he couldn't seize it and sell it as part of the satisfaction of the civil judgment in the uh, wrongful death case. Um, but when he when he was convicted, it was, by the way, it was, I know everybody knows this already, but it was, the, it was the 13th anniversary of his acquittal to the day, which was October 2nd or oh, 3rd, you know, to the day of yeah. his acquittal. Uh, it was, was a lot uh, of uh, coincidences, I think, Yeah. You. Yeah, you told me, right? With and the jury deliberated and... for 13 hours. What were those uh, that were all connected somehow? People uh, found out you, especially, I think you told me, uh, with the number. Yeah, that... yeah. And that crime had happened on September 13, 2007, but whatever. You know, if you're into that 13, 13 stuff, there, it, it, it exists 13, in this right. case. I forgot what the word is, Tresca, I can't remember the word for that, um, where you have that superstition of the number 13. Uh, but I, I remember it, he, he took his time coming to court because he was out on bail, and he took his time coming to court when we got word that there were, a verdict was in, and, and you know, and, um, many of us were thinking, oh, God, because of the way the jurors' questions came in. I mean, we figured he was going down. I can't remember the details of the questions, but it, it, we figured he, he was going down. So he, he knew he's going to get locked up. And so he was having his last meal or, or drink or whatever, and he came mm-hmm. into court walking real slowly, and he got convicted. And I remember, and after, um, it was after the conviction when the judge was like, get him out of my courtroom, and she was so nasty. Get him out of here. Like, I don't want to see him. Uh, was that Judge uh, Jackie uh, Glass? Jackie Glass, yeah. She had no, <laughs> no heart for him, I don't think, right? No, it was a late <laughs> night that night. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think there's a, sh- a chance that he'll be paroled to answer your first question. One person who will not be happy is Mr. Goldman. I think right. That's a safe assumption, right? Yeah, right. I think that's probably a fair comment. Yeah. So that'll be what 25 years ago that alleged crime happened in '94, right? Almost 25 years ago. Yes, not quite 25, but yes, 1994. It happened, yeah, in June. Unreal, unreal. Okay, let's talk about our final topic, which is Anthony Weiner. Here's some sound, and we'll talk on this. One-time Congressman Anthony Weiner will soon have a new title, registered sex offender. The disgraced politician pleading guilty in federal court to transmitting obscene material to a minor 
admitting to sending racy texts to a 15-year-old last year, including one photo with his own child right next to him. Wiener breaking down as he read a prepared statement describing destructive impulses, quote, I have a sickness, but I do not have an excuse. Wiener is married to top Hillary Clinton aide Huma Abedin. It was the investigation into Wiener that threw the presidential campaign into turmoil when James Comey revealed Clinton emails discovered on Wiener's laptop. I'm here today to again apologize. In 2011, Wiener resigned from Congress in disgrace over his first sexting scandal. Today I'm announcing my resignation from Congress. This is why I'm in the race. To in 2013, he ran for mayor of New York until he was caught sexting again. Their drama captured in a documentary. Are you okay? Today, Abedin officially filed for divorce, seeking full custody of their five-year-old son. It's still unclear how Wiener's status as a sex offender could impact a custody battle, and he may have to be off probation before he's able to visit his child's school. The government seeking between 21 and 27 months in prison. A defendant doesn't plea because they don't want a messy trial. They plea because they think it's better for them that they'll get less time in jail. Wiener will be sentenced in September. And one more blow in his stunning fall from grace, the serial sexer forced to surrender his smartphone. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News, New York. Hey, NBC News fans. Okay, Beth, if you were uh, the prosecutor on this case, uh, what would you ask for, A, and B, uh, do you think he'll face any time? You know, I think what the prosecution has asked for is, you know, it's probably pretty reasonable, 21 to 27 months. Will he serve any time? Probably, but I can tell you that, it, you know, the sentence carries, the crime carries up to 10 years, and it is up to the judge. This is different in the federal system from the state system, where when you um, you reach an agreement, uh, sometimes for a lower charge, it's and the judge will agree, and then it's binding. Uh, and that's what the sentence will be come sentencing day. That's not the case in, in, for the, for the, in the federal system. So uh, while the prosecution is recommending 21 to 27 months, and he will waive appeal, he agrees to waive appeal if his sentence is within that time period, the judge could very well give him five years, you wow. know, more than 27 months, or he could give him um, less. Uh, and I believe it carries a non-prison uh, sentence. I think that um, he'll probably do some time, though. I don't know if he'll do 21 months. I mean, you know, that's more than a year and a half. I, I you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I can't predict that, but he, he'll probably. You believe do. that? Yeah. He has this Martha Stewart did five months for her when she did. Yeah, he'll do some time. Martha Stewart did five months, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she she served five months. I think her seventh sentence was a little bit longer. So, um, but she served five months, and it was in Lower Manhattan uh, Federal Court where she was tried. Um, and that was for I think it was lying to investigators, right? So this was a little more yeah, serious than he did. So it's a different judge, it's a different crime, but it's the federal system, and I think he'll do some time. This involves children, though, so it might be uh, more sensitive. Uh, than Martha, I would think, from a judge's right. standpoint. I mean, this involves uh, a 15-year-old girl and minors. I mean, this is this is serious stuff. He's going to be a sex offender. He's not going to get a non-prison sentence. But there was now no I, uh, actual. He didn't actually touch the girl. This is a girl no, with a phone uh, on the internet. Yeah, 
there's no there was no actual contact, but you see that that I'm aware of. But you see this you see these crimes prosecuted all the time. I mean, these cyber crimes uh, are are treated very seriously. Justin Ross Harris down in uh, Georgia, he was doing that too, right? And he didn't have contact with the girl, the one girl he did meet, and some he didn't. But he was still prosecuted for these crimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was, he, what was his, uh, he, he got life, I believe? Yeah, he got life, yeah. I think he got life Interesting. Sentence. So we have the Bill Cosby show, uh, Bill Cosby show. We have the Bill Cosby trial starting on June 5th. The judge said that should be about two weeks. And you're predicting he'll probably be acquitted, right? I have no idea if he'll be acquitted. I just think that um, you know there there are it, it, the case could be stronger, but he could be convicted. I, I don't know. I mean, I I have to see. You know, I need when I'm in a courtroom, I can get a sense of how the evidence is going in and get a feel for the jury. I can't you know I can't do that from afar. There's no camera in the courtroom in in Pennsylvania. I have no idea. I hope I don't come across like I think he's going to get off because um, yeah, I, I don't know. Right now. I did want to mention a case that's kind of off the radar, but I just I just want to say that um, a man in Tennessee, Nashville, was um, was just convicted. His name is Caleb Cannon for uh, killing his ex girlfriend. She was the mother of uh, their ten year old child, and uh, her body's never been found. And the prosecution used odor of decomposition in the trial, which is what. Jeff Ashton used in Casey Anthony, odor of decomposition in the trunk of, the, of Casey's abandoned car, and a lot of people poo-pooed that. You can't, you know, it's, it's not good science, this is junk, and it was used successfully, and he got convicted. So I just want to say, I think, I think the conviction just happened. I know the trial was going on the last, last in the past week. You've been, but, you've uh, been covering that. Hmm? You've been covering that for a while, right? Well, no, I've been. It's just been going on for a couple of weeks, but I, I, I followed it only because I was interested. First of all, there was no body ever found, and number two, odor of decomposition was introduced at the trial. So now I'm going to call Jeff Ashton to tell him because, um, you know, that's what he used to charge Casey before Kaylee's body was found. He used odor of decomposition to say, wait a second, this little girl's dead. This baby's dead. And then, of course, when they found her and they found the duct tape, you know, and then it became a death case. But a lot of people criticized the prosecution for introducing odor of decomposition, saying that is not sophisticated science and it's not ready for the courtroom. It was accepted in Nashville, and this guy just got convicted. I don't know. He might have gotten convicted today or yesterday. Caleb Cannon. I I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. Let's go to the calls. I think we got uh, Sarah here. Good evening, Sarah. You're on Team George Radio. Is that you? It's me. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Beth. How are you doing? Hi, Sarah. Um, I just, all the cases are interesting <clears throat> that you're all talking about, but I just have to ask you, Beth, the latest decision on the Florida death penalty, did you read it or hear about it? Um, wait, how well, long it, ago was it, it? it? Because I've been following, but... I don't know. Yesterday, if it's I think days. it was no. yesterday or today, and no, basically it said it. that it, it it was going to uh, it agreed with the lower courts, and that um, all of these cases now 
will have to be um, retried. Oh, and no. my question was, <laughs> oh, is, it, is it the penalty? Resent. So it will only be a penalty phase. It wouldn't Correct. be a whole guilt trial. Correct. Okay. It does not um, upset the guilty verdict. It only changes, oh, my God, the whole the sentence. Um, how many cases are they talking about? Well, the article just said there are currently 363 people on death row in Florida. So I don't know. I mean, would they even attempt? I don't know. I mean, just, Otherwise, they're going to just have to commute to life without parole sentences for some right. of them. Maybe, some, right. they, maybe they'll go and look at the ones that are, say, the most recent, most egregious, where the witnesses are still around. And mm-hmm. then for others, they may have to commute the sentences. I, I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. I... Um, I knew that this was a, a potential issue. I didn't realize that there had been a decision. This was Florida's high court? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, i got to take a look at that. Yeah. yeah. Well, wow. I, hope I'm not mis- I think that's what I read, so I hope, my goodness, I hope I'm not misleading you, but it did say that they, they would be thinking about retrying the cases. And, and yeah, I don't well, that, know, that but... makes sense. You know, when the U.S. Supreme Court threw out the death penalty um, in the early 1970s, saying that it, uh, this was across the country, that it wasn't being applied um, consistently, properly, and that there needed to be some guidelines, and um, that's when Charles Manson, who was on death row, and the Manson family, mm-hmm. their sentences were commuted. And, right. one, and, and, that, and that just that happened, right, in California. And, and once it commuted, you, they were not given death again. You don't go back to death. So I don't know if they retry them or they just commute. And i got to take a look at that. Yeah. And um, I, I hope you tell everybody that you're going to be at CrimeCon. I um, know. I'm going to be at CrimeCon in I, Indianapolis. Oh, you are. I I. I wish I could make it. I'm sure oh, many, many goodness. people do. Oh, my goodness. I have this all-day event I'm doing. I'm doing this mock jury. There are going to be several panels of jurors, three different sessions. I am going nonstop from 9 to 5. I'm, I am oh, um, wow. basically, you know, working. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a mock jury with a real case. I, know, I don't Aphrodite, want to give away too uh, much. I'm preparing for it. Pardon me? Aphrodite, Nancy Griggs, I heard. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ken Kratz is going to be there from Stephen Avery fame. Uh, Kirk Nurmi is going to be there. Jim Clemente. I mean, what a lineup. I mean, seriously, a great, great lineup uh, for people to be able to go and see and talk to all of you and listen to all of you. Oh, my God. It sounds really, really great. You know, I I have to be in Chicago the uh, the day before my presentation. My presentation is Saturday, um, June 10th, but I have to – uh, give a lecture in Chicago to the American Society of Trial Consultants the day before. So I'm not at the on CrimeCon on on Friday when it starts. So I can't go to those events. But my event oh. is on the headline day. The headline day is Saturday. But I'm like I'm holed up because I've got several. Like there will be multiple jury panels, and it's it's the people attending. They're going to be mock jurors. You guys yeah, are going to sit. Great. Gonna, you're going to hear a truncated version of a trial, and you're going to go off and deliberate and come back and talk to me about it. So it'll be Yeah, exciting. it sounds great. It really does. So best best wishes for that. And um, as far as the other cases go, Bill Cosby and this, I mean, I just, 
I could hardly wait till it's over. It's been brewing for so long. Oh, I know. But you know what's Three coming years. up? Um, we got, you know, Dahlia DiPolito's retrial is coming up Michelle Car- in Florida, Michelle Carter in Massachusetts. There should be a camera on both of those cases. Michelle Carter's oh, a young girl who uh, mm-hmm. encouraged a boyfriend, what was his name, Conrad Roy, to get into the cab of his pickup truck and, and go through with the, his suicide. And she was doing right. it by text and on the phone. And, you know, her lawyers challenged it as a... a a criminalizing speech, but that, you know, her lawyer's lost. I mean, they're saying, no, 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 she really, she encouraged him, and she she shouldn't have, so she's charged with manslaughter. So that's coming up. What else? There's some of the good cases coming up later in the year. i got to look at my list, but there's lots of other well, stuff. Well, anyway, involved. nice talking to you. I'll, I'll let someone else um, uh, have you. the pleasure. Uh, Jordan, Thanks, you take Sarah. care. Glad you were Thanks on so tonight, much. okay? Thanks, Thank Sarah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. So, yes, and uh, Beth, before we let you go, with this, what do you think, this crazy weather in New York, two days or three days ago, it was like 90. Tomorrow, or today, it was like 60. I mean, it changes everything from winter I know, to spring. And, and so for somebody like me, I'm a curly top. Oh, my goodness, my hair just gets all <laughs> sorts of curly in the, in the wet. So it's terrible. <laughs> Eternal struggle with my hair. <laughs> So, yeah, so but that crime town sounds interesting. Um, do you know the website? And I was on a panel at IDCon last Saturday. That was a lot of fun. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and and so make sure um, to watch the investigation discovery, the ID special on Bill Cosby on June fifth. I haven't seen 5th? it. I haven't seen a screener of it, but I know I'm in it. <laughs> yeah, okay. same day so trial starts. Yes. There is a Michael Jackson special on Lifetime on Memorial Day uh, based on the book uh, from the bodyguards, I guess, the last few years oh, of his good. life. I, I didn't Dr. know Murray. that. Good. They're also going to have a, uh, I saw the trailer, a Menendez uh, movie coming up, I believe, uh, sometime in June. Looks really awesome, Lifetime. They had some great movies through the years. Great. But you know, everybody's resurrecting these uh, these classic trials from Core TV, and yet yes. there's no more Core TV. <laughs> oh, man, do we miss you and Core TV? Those were the days. Those were the days. And uh, we had uh, Ricky Kleeman, who's on, I guess, CBS now. Yes. I see her, yeah. Yes, though. And uh, so you see, you're all over the place that I do sometimes, right? Hopefully yes. you'll get your and I, I host one morning a week, you know, on LawNews.com, which is Dan Abrams's website. He's done. He has an online court TV, and so I'm I'm a anchor. I host from nine to twelve on Wednesdays, and he's streaming trials. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. The best uh, way to go. You can tune in there. That is the best way to go. Yeah. Do you have Netflix? I do. They had, yeah, they had the, they had, had the uh, Amanda Knox uh, special, and recently, I, or it's coming soon, they have uh, something about John Bonet. So some good stuff on Netflix. Uh, good. Just I just started to watch The Keepers, but I'm so busy with my professional reading and writing that I just The Keepers, <laughs> oh, the 1969 murder in Maryland of a nun. Yes, yes, I know. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, you get hooked on that if you're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> Those are Netflix. 
But Beth, thanks so much. Uh, people can catch you on carrotsonprime.com. Uh, yes, and on my Twitter is, is at Beth Karras, and Facebook is Beth Karras. I have a, a Facebook page. I have two pages, two Beth Karras pages, but I put the cases mm-hmm. and stuff on the um, the page that you like. It's not the one where I have to accept a friend. You know, it's right. the other one. Right, just the last page. So, yeah, the public page. So that's where I post everything, not the other one. Okay? Okay, Beth. Thanks so much for joining us. And, it was a pleasure. And uh, have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. You too. Okay, Beth. Have a good night. Good night. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that was the uh, wonderful uh, Beth Karras. Check her out at Beth Karras online, Karras on Crime. Uh, We did a good job today. Uh, She did a great job talking about the Manchester tragedy, Anthony Weiner, O.J. Simpson, will he or will he not? we also talked about she was on a three-part special on ID with uh, regards to Casey Anthony. Um, and uh, Bill Cosby. So uh also want to mention June. Let me see here what it is. Time. Uh, let's see here. We will have Tom Mezzaro in June. I don't have the date yet. But Thursday, June 15, mark this on your calendar, will be Joey Jackson. Yes, Joey Jackson returns on Thursday, June 15th at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 on the West. Um, Also, please follow us at King Jordan RAV and King Jordan uh, Radio on Facebook. So, this is a song that I will leave you with tonight. It's a beautiful song, and I'm going to give it a tribute uh, to those that we lost in Manchester. Good night, everybody. We'll speak to you next time here on King Jordan Radio. Good night.
And here they are, uh, Madeline, Pager, Vicky, Sarah, Phyllis, Debbie, and whoever I missed this week. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And uh, uh, I'm glad that uh, we had a great show tonight. Okay, uh, Joey Jackson on the... Let me make sure. Joey Jackson on the 15th of uh, June. We'll speak to you soon on King Jordan Radio. <laughs> 